you have to delegate with authority. Okay. So you can't just say, here, go do that. You have to let that person know what the parameters are. Otherwise, they end up being stuck. You're listening to Be That Lawyer, life-changing strategies and resources for growing a successful law practice. Each episode, your host, author, and lawyer coach, Steve Fretzen, will take a deeper dive, helping you grow your law practice in less time with greater results. Now, here's your host, Steve Fretzen. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Be That Lawyer. I hope you're having a lovely and wonderful and terrific day. Uh, I just had a crazy weekend fishing in the snow. I was telling Keith, I was out fishing with my son in the snow in a snowstorm. That was pretty crazy. And took my wife into the city for a stay, city staycation in this beautiful city, Chicago. If you ever have a chance to stay at the Peninsula Hotel, just the nicest hotel in the city. And we just did a whole tour of food and everything. It was really fantastic. And we need to take these breaks, right? We need to, we need to, to decompress and celebrate life and have some fun. It can't all just be work. Uh, but that's what we're all about. Be that lawyer, right? So you get organized, get confident, and build that book of business. And wow, it opens up time for you to have the kind of life that you want. A big part of that, as you, some of you and many of you know, is delegation, the ability to delegate. And I'm going to introduce my guest, Keith, in a moment. I want to take a, a second to thank our sponsors, Legalese Marketing and Money Penny. Uh, you'll hear more about them in a minute. And Keith submitted a quote to me. And I want to say that quote, and then I want to ask him about it. And it is a quote from uh, our friend, Stephen Jobs. Uh, People think focus means saying yes to the thing you've got to focus on. It means saying no to the hundred other good ideas that are there. You have to pick carefully. So Keith, why'd you submit that? And by the way, welcome to the show. Hey, thank you. I'm glad you got out fishing this weekend. Yeah, Hopefully hopefully it'll do less snowing and more uh, sunshining here in the coming weeks. Crazy, stupid, uh, and we still had fun. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> no, that quote. That quote is, you know, not, you know, it's it's not an uh, unpopular quote. It's out there a lot, and that concept of knowing what to say no to, so that you can focus on what you said yes to, and really determining what's an opportunity and what what isn't is so key because you know when we talk about a limited amount of time we have, and and everybody has the same. 168 hours in a week, right? And so knowing what is a distraction and what is a true opportunity just becomes, you know, critical, especially as you move up in your career. Yeah. And I think I've gotten hit by the the yes, the yes monster too many times where, you know, people want to engage me in things and it takes me off course. It takes me off of my true path and where my superpower is or my core focus is or however when we want to look at it. And this has happened throughout my career because I'm just, I don't know if it's just ambition. It also is just, I'm, I'm, I'm always, I'm an opportunist and I'm looking for new and interesting things to do, but just my brain doesn't settle. I'm constantly out there. So I've had to really bring it down as it relates to, to what works within my core focus and what doesn't. And if it doesn't, if it's even taking a networking meeting with someone that is off direction, you know, meeting with another financial planner after after I've met with 10 and, and I have three solid ones, right? There's only so many meetings you you can have in a day. So it's it's it, and that's going to really lead us into how we manage our, our day and our time today in our in our discussion. Well, and it's on both sides. It's not just the I have so many opportunities flowing in my in my direction that I can't I can't decide or I can't do what I want to do, right? It's also the scarcity mindset of, oh no, 
that's an opportunity I just can't say no to, because if I do, what if no op- other opportunities come along? Right. right. Yeah. And so you kind of shoehorn yourself into an opportunity that isn't really the best for you. So yeah, yeah. it's a, it's a lot of quote there. <laughs> a lot. It's a big, good quote. Lots of different things to talk about there. Uh, Keith spiral is, um, been, this is your second time on the show, I think, right? Yeah, I think so. All right. We're, we're moving around. I think we're sitting at like 175 shows. And so I think it's going to happen where we need to bring people back to, to keep squeezing the juice and, and you and your partner, Amy have a, a ton of juice in you to squeeze. So, um, it's like is, Saturday night live. Like at some point, do I get a five time jacket or something? I don't know. We're going to work towards it. I think right now yeah, you, get okay. the, you get the two time thank you card. That might be okay. all you're going to get right. out of yeah, that. There we go. There we uh, go. but you're the co-founder of Eprochromatic. Now, did yeah. I say that right? You did. Uh, well, you did. that's a two time uh, the first time yeah. I did it. So there you go. There we go. And talk a little bit about your business and what you do and how, how you work with lawyers. Cause I think that's important to set up where we're going with our show today. Sure. Absolutely. So we work with attorneys really anywhere from the, the one and two person shop all the way up to, to the bigger corporate firms. And we, we work both with professionals, but we also work with teams. And I think that our team development and, and leadership development work is probably the most applicable here today. Because if you think about it, even if you're just one person with, with an assistant, that really is your team, right? You're, you're putting together what you're doing every day. And so we work with teams to increase productivity, to really figure out what those opportunities are for you that can move you forward, executive coaching, executive presence, all of those type of things that really help you find the, find the focus that you need. So yeah. my background is in management. I was in a, in a management position for about 18 years before we started Apochromatic. And, and so that's kind of the direction I come at it from. Yeah. And you and Amy have not only been on the show, but you've also been so kind as to speak with my peer advisory roundtables and talk to the lawyers that I work with in those groups about time management, about delegation, about the things culture, things that they're really challenged by, especially during the COVID days and the post-COVID mm-hmm. days. And hopefully I'm saying post-COVID and it's not, we're not already into another cycle, but you know, there's just, it's just, it, the game has changed. The, the rules have changed. The, the industry's changing. And, and I think delegation is such a huge part of how lawyers can be successful, but let's talk about why lawyers don't delegate. What's the kind of the, the mindset, the psychi- psychology around why they need to do everything themselves? Oh my gosh, there's so many. <laughs> How much time we do I have, fill, right? <laughs> yeah, we could fill the rest of the rest of the time with this. But you know, the the number one thing we get is it's just too much work and I don't get the quality I want, right? So so many lawyers are perfectionists just out of out of the reality of, of the business, right? So if you get to that point where you just don't feel like anyone can do it as well as you can then it's really hard to let go. And after you've done that for a few years, then it becomes really hard because then it's kind of a habit and then it's kind of ingrained in you. And so there's a way to unravel that, but the the logical side of the attorney's brain has to say, I can, I can use leverage. I can use the leverage of delegation to accomplish more with less of my energy, right? So it's not always about just doing more, doing more, doing more. Sometimes it's about being able to recharge yourself so you can actually live. And I think there's a, there's a, like a balance pain threshold that happens where lawyers 
you know, they either have to be in so much pain with the work they have or the amount of things they're doing that are non-billable or whatever that they, they realize they have to make that decision to delegate and bring someone on, or they have people on, they're not delegating to, but the pain of giving that, that, that away, giving that work away, giving that, that assignment away is less than, you know, just, it's just easier to do it myself. That's, I think, you know, it's just easier just for me by the time they, this is what I hear. By the time I teach them and train them and get them on this, I could have just done it myself. And I think that's a very kind of short-sighted view of things. However, I think that mindset and that 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 comment has been made, you know, millions of times. Yeah, and I, the the thing about that is that so often that is based in some previous failure, right? So it I can do it myself quicker, or in the time it takes me to teach them. Well. That's the key here, right? So there are methods you can use to make sure that that teaching and that process doesn't fail. And if you if you implement that, you know, it's again, it's one of those things where logically an attorney is going to understand the leverage. Logically, an attorney is going to understand that a small investment now can pay off massive dividends later. But yet like a like a gerbil on a cage in a cage we just keep not making the investment not making the investment not making the investment so you know i I think it's really in how you approach that that is is where the success comes in and then you train yourself right once once you get a little bit of success with that delegation you unlock the key you unlock the lock to you know massive productivity and and kind of a balance yeah and i think it's also you know what I've always called the twenty to forty dollar an hour rule, and that can go up from there. But if you're billing at you know two fifty to five hundred an hour, and you're afraid to spend twenty to forty dollars an hour to hire someone that's going to take administrative, bookkeeping, marketing, business, some business development, um, even some paralegal type work, and I know that the numbers go up, but it it's you're not realizing your full value and 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 what what you could bring to the table. It's just easier to do it yourself. And you're just missing the point that you could have more free time. You could have more time for business development. You could open up channels and banks of time that you never realized were there. And I think that's the power of delegation and and, and the lawyers that don't do it because they're afraid or because they've tried and failed or whatever. They're just just missing a major, major point of how you develop not only more money and more revenue, but also that free time. Yeah, absolutely. And it's and it's you know it's just that that idea like you said especially with with that with that idea of, of hiring someone at a at a much lower rate even if you hire someone at a pretty high rate you you find a real quality person you know who wouldn't take a 20% investment with 10% money you know yeah, you, you, would, you would do that all day long every day so and, yeah, I, and, and it's I think, right it's right in front of many people Right. And so I think what we want to talk about today, Keith, you and I, and this is where your expertise comes in and the things that you're working with lawyers on every day is understanding what is delegatable and then how to do it and how to identify either how to train someone to do something or how to, what are like the stages of, of, of how you, how you delegate, because I don't think you delegate a hundred percent day one. We're going to get there in a minute. But talk a little bit about how how you sort of can figure out what's delegate what's delegatable. Yeah, so I, I think that the whole process is really tied together in this concept of 
authority, right? So it isn't just about delegation. It's also about authority. And so you have to think about what things you can do that you can give authority away logically, right? For eventually. And, and don't worry about right now or today, worry about in the long term. So obviously you're not going to give away drafting the brief that that's going to uh, make your career, right? But like you said earlier, there's administrative, there's payrolls, there's you know all of this other work that can be done. And even to some extent, business development, at least some of the stuff on the back end, right? That can be that can be done to keep business development moving forward. And you need to identify those things that can really, that can be carved out. And at some point, can, you could see having uh, some authority given away on that. So I think that, you know, the first thing is, it's kind of a chicken before the egg, before the chicken thing, right? Because you have to figure out what things you're going to delegate, but you also have to understand the framework by which you give the authority. So I know we're going to talk about that in a second, but I think that you know realizing what things in the long run you could give authority for is the the critical part there. But I think I think you mentioned I think there's two pieces here that that we can spend another couple minutes on. Number one is identifying the specifics of what are what are delegatable items. So when you mentioned bookkeeping, when you mentioned payroll, when you mentioned administrative marketing, etc., it would make sense for a lawyer to look at a day or a couple days of his or her life and just like you track your time, track what you're doing every day. And if you find that you're doing a ton of things that are non-billable or marketing that isn't getting you anywhere, or you're, you're just surfing on LinkedIn or whatever it is that you're finding, write it down. Because I, that's the starting point of what we need to do just to un I understand and identify how we're spending our time and to identify what's delegatable is sort of a step one. What, what, what would you add to that? Yeah, absolutely. In fact, it's really difficult, but almost every client we have, we have them track their time in a little bit different way. And, and when you get on, when you get on a, a call with, a, with an attorney and tell them they have to track their time, typically this is like, you know, just bizarre world for, for them, right? But we really look at it and ask them to track their time, not only for work, their, their, their billable hours, but also all the times in between and the time after hours, their time at home, and really look at that for one or two weeks. And you start to realize all of the little things that creep into your, your day, your night, your weekend. And you see patterns of, you know, I, I just think I'm horribly overworked and work never ends. But you see why work is never ending, right? Because yeah. you're not running your your payroll or bookkeeping in the middle of the day on a Tuesday afternoon, right? You're doing yeah. you're you're ending up doing that after hours. You're ending up doing that kind of administrative stuff. And because things fall into those inopportune times, if you can imagine only doing business development at night on week or on weekends, right? <laughs> like only doing these things that that really provide the the key to your success at less than optimal times, you know, you, you end up painting yourself into kind of a corner. So when you look at this and you, and you realize all of your time and where it goes and how much time you get to spend with your family and how much time you get to do things that you're passionate about, and you look at that holistically, that's where you really start to identify the things that are 
that are derailing you. Legalese Marketing is not your traditional marketing vendor. Instead, we're a true fractional CMO that helps you save time and spend your money the right way to build the practice of your dreams. We help through the entire process, from customizing your intake system to driving leads and even getting more reviews afterwards. Schedule your free call at LegalEaseMarketing.com. Hi, I'm Steph from Moneypenny. We're trusted by leading law firms and attorneys to answer calls virtually, professionally and brilliantly. Our high-tech receptionist service enables us to route calls to your teams wherever they're working and even recognise and prioritise calls based on whether they're a repeat caller, a new client or a VIP. Claim your exclusive partner rates and free trial by quoting Fretzin today. I think once you realize that you have a need for admin help, you have a need for marketing help, et cetera, or even legal work that can be done that's Mm -hmm. under your pay grade, right? Because you're doing stuff as a partner or as a solo that, you know, you know, a paralegal can do, you know, blindfolded. So, I mean, I had one guy we tracked, he had two hours of, 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 of time a day making copies. He's a state planning attorney. I mean, two hours a day of, of, copying things and stapling things and doing all that. I was like, that's an extra week a month you have to spend on other things if you can delegate that. And he did, and it made a big difference. The other concern lawyers have though, is let's say they identify a bunch of things to delegate. Then they have to go through the, the rigmarole and the horror, I guess, of, of trying to find someone to, to do it. I think that's the biggest barrier that many attorneys have is they don't want to take the time. They've been down that path. It's, it's just, finding the right talent. And maybe they just don't understand their options. They just think they have to hire someone full-time and then put them on a W-2 and and take care of their benefits. And things have changed so much. There's so many options. Can you talk to that? Sure. And and just as a, as a segue or a bridge from what we were just talking about, I, I really think it's important as well to not only think about the things that have to do with work, right? Sometimes, especially if you're at a big firm, you're trying to make partnering, you're, you're doing these things that, that are really critical to your success. Sometimes it is beneficial to just hire someone to, to help you, you know, your own personal assistant. Yeah. And that can be, that can be really transfer, transformational for people. Um, but to find that person, um, you know, it's, it's one of those things where 10 years ago, it would have been a completely different game. But today, as we sit here, the world has become a virtual world. And so even if you're not working virtually, even if your firm isn't working virtually, there are so many jobs and tasks that can be done virtually with uh, the technology that's available today. So you could literally have a virtual assistant that's in the same time zone as you working in Guatemala or uh, you know, some other offshore place doing work at a fraction of the cost and an equal amount of talent, degreed, smart folks who are doing that stuff. Now, you can also find folks right here in the United States that are, that are running virtual uh, assistant companies that will, just because of the nature of you know, the, the efficiencies that they can create are so much more reasonable and on task than, than you can imagine even five years ago. And I think one of the key issues there is that the support that you have 
isn't like you said, a W-2 employee that has sick days and has life and has everything else. You have a, a bench of people that you can rely on. Now that isn't going to help the the individual who who's making copies for two hours a day, right? Because there are some limitations to virtual, but there are also local options and contract options that you can pursue. And there, even now, as we sit here in 2022, there are more people who are looking for that type of employment than ever before. So, uh, you know, the, the options are plentiful. Yeah. And then I think the other piece of it is the fear of, all right, so now I have these options and I get them, right? There's virtual assistants, there's full-time virtual assistants, there's in-person, there's all these different elements and there's recruiters and there's all these different companies that do, you know, virtual paralegals and whatnot. And then the question is, how do I qualify that person? Like whether it's an interview, whether it's checking references, like I'm afraid of getting taken for a ride. That's happened ever. I had a woman steal from me 10, over $10,000 back when I, you know, had in, in, had an office in, in uh, Deerfield and she ended up doing a year in Cook County, but like my trust was broken. My heart was broken. My trust was broken. And it was hard for me to kind of get back on the horse and start hiring an assistant again. I needed one, uh, but I had to do it. And I was like, oh my God. But I learned from that experience that I need to dot I's and cross T's and all that. But for the lawyers who are hesitant to make that move, what are some things that they can do to help qualify someone and make sure that they're a good fit? Well, there, there's all the standard things, right? There's the background checks and and all, all of the things that you can do to you know formally protect yourself. But it is a matter of building trust. You know, it is a matter of, you know, you have to get to that point where it is somebody that you're trusting. It is a relationship. It is built on that trust. And uh, a lot of a lot of what we're talking about here is dealing with that authority and how you do that over time. Right. So I'll just move into this and start touching on this because I think it's it's really critical. Once you have that person, where we get tripped up so often in delegation is that you have to delegate with authority. Okay, so you can't just say, here, go do that. You have to let that person know what the parameters are. Otherwise, they end up being stuck and just spinning their wheels because either they don't want to disappoint you. And so they don't make forward progress. Or they go ahead and make a decision that you didn't want them to make. And then that breaks that, that trust. And there's that failure there, right? And that's where so many people get, get stuck. I delegated a task. It came back to me wrong. Well, if you, if you start to look at that as a, you know, and, and do a little bit of a root cause analysis, why did it come back to you wrong? Typically, it comes down to authority. So we talk about five levels of authority, right? And they, and they kind of build upon each other. So level one is do as I say, you know, so you're delegating to someone and it means do exactly what I've asked you to do. Don't deviate from the instructions. Don't think I've told you exactly what I want. Now, if you say go make 100 copies and they come back with 115 copies, it's very clear, right? Well, you made 15 extra copies. So black and white, easy to, easy to fix, easy to identify. Once that level one, do what I say, you know, a delegation is successful, then you can move to level two, research and report. So this means that you're willing to let that person go research a topic, gather information, and then come back to you with what decisions need to be made, 
and you will tell them which way to go. So a little bit more information there, a little bit less time on your side and a little bit more work on their side. Then you move to research and recommend. So they're going, they're looking at the project, they're doing the research, they're figuring out what the options are, and they're recommending to you what the best option is. So, so real quick, before, before you go on, so yeah. let, just as an example, that assistant is trying to find a, uh, a writer for articles that are marketing person. They're looking, they're looking to research something on the legal side. They go out and do that research. They come back with an actual recommendation. Look, I talked to four people. Here are the best three or best two or best one. And so that's the level of authority that person's getting is, is, is actually making the recommendations that you would then know that, that they did their work. Right. And at level three, you'd still make the decision, right? So right. the difference there would be level two, you would probably do the, the interview. You would probably do the call, reach out call. You know, they would okay. give you a list of possibilities. Yeah. So once you get to that point where you're comfortable with their, their research and their recommendations and things are, things are going along pretty well, then we move to level four, which is kind of deciding and informing, right? So they go out. They do the research. They realize what the recommended option should be. They choose that option and they let you know they've chosen that option. So keeping along with this might, it might be a little bit difficult to, to imagine that, but they've, they've chosen a vendor to do the work that you need done and, and you trust them at that point. Okay. So this is obviously happening over a period of time. And then level five is, is kind of acting independently, right? So here's a project. I need this marketing stuff done. Do whatever it is you do, figure it out, make it happen. You have my full support. And here's the thing. It, this is really critical and, and pretty exciting. So often we think delegation is level five, acting independently. I need this done. Go do it and come back and meet my expectations when it's done. I didn't tell you what the expectations were. I didn't tell you. That. So it isn't necessarily always about training. You always, we always hear, oh, by the time I train them to do it. That isn't what it's about. It's about meeting your expectations. And for that to happen, you have to set your expectations appropriately. Yeah. And so if you take the time to go through these levels and build that trust with the other person, you eventually get to that point where you know they think like you. You know, you've always you've heard these people say, oh, my my executive assistant thinks exactly like I do. I, I used to have an executive assistant that was was that way. I would have pretty confidently said she would make the same decision I would make in almost any aspect of of the work I was doing. And that grows out of the levels of authority and over time and and as trust is built. I mean, I'll add, I'll add a little to level two and three, because this has been something that lawyers come to me with on a pretty regular basis. And just, just again, to add a little bit to it, something I've recommended lawyers do is come up with a checklist. So you're giving away a brief to an associate or to a paralegal, to someone else under you, and it's coming back wrong. And then you have to reread the whole thing. You have to redo the whole thing. It was like, that was sort of a waste of time giving them that they screwed it up. I'm not going to do that again. And that's, that's a misstep, a mistake, right? Because you're missing out on that, that ability to, to help somebody to take that delegation and, and execute and, and be successful with it. So what I've recommended is to actually write up a checklist. So that brief needs to come back in with perfect grammar. That brief needs to be re, you know, researched and it needs to be 
there's four or five things that that brief needs to needs things that need to happen to it before it comes back to me. Right. So are we level two or three with that? Maybe Keith, right? Yeah. I mean, I think that's level two. And then, then, then the key is, is, you know, you're at level three when your person comes to you and says, you know what? I think we need to add these two things to the checklist. There you go. Because, because I do them every time and they're not on there. And if someday I'm not here, you know, yeah. and, and you start to build that, that relationship and that, and that process. But, but think about it this way too. Like if, if you're telling, if there's a checklist that says, don't turn this brief back into me until this checklist is completed and signed off on, and you turn it back into me and it's loaded with grammatical errors, it's loaded with inconsistencies and I have to redo it. What does that say about that associate? What does that say about that person you're delegating to? You know, not everybody is, is, you know, is at the same, you know, ilk as far as their abilities and their competency and their consistency. So it also might help us identify who's undelegatable to and maybe move them to a no or move them to a firing situation or, or take them off your plate because they're the ones making your life bad, even when you've given them that level of authority and the help that they need to get things to you the right way. Yeah. And sometimes, and, and that's the reality of, of, you know, any, any business, any, any place there's folks working together, right? I mean, sometimes you have the wrong fit Yeah, and it doesn't, it doesn't mean they're a bad person. It doesn't mean you're a bad person. It means that it's not the right fit, right? They're yeah. going to excel somewhere at some point. And so, you know, you, you want to make sure that you're providing the training and you're providing the tools that they need. But at the same time, you want to identify when something isn't working. Yeah. So Keith, lots of great information and takeaways for lawyers listening who are, who are anxious to delegate, interested in delegating and just don't have the steps. And I think we've covered a lot of ground on that point. Let's move on to our last segment of the show called Game Changing Books. And you've got a game changing book. Uh, I believe it's called Rest. You want to talk about that for a moment? Yes. So the, the book is Rest. And uh, the author's name is Alex Sujan Kim Pang. And you can, you can literally find that on Amazon just by, just by typing in Rest rather than trying to type that whole name. But you know the, the premise behind this is really that we are wired. Many people are wired to just keep going and going and going. And we wear it as a badge, right? Where, oh, I, I only have to sleep for four hours a night. You know, you've heard people who, who live under this. And the reality is, is it's not healthy and they're not working at their most efficient. It just isn't. The science behind it proves it. And, and what the, the author goes through in this book is really how you have to have good rest in order to be at your most productive and how you can transform how you're approaching your life and your goals and, and everything that goes into that if you really do recharge your batteries when you need to. So yeah. uh, it's, it's a critical thing. And we, you know, we, in all the professional type positions, whether you're a, a doctor or a lawyer or engineer, we see this kind of burnout. We see a lot of talk of burnout. We see the psychological problems that come with it. We see you know, the, the, the negative aspects of what comes from these notions that we should be working 24 hours a day, seven days a week now and um, rest. It's really critical. Yeah. All right, guys, game-changing book. And Keith, if people want to reach out to you and Amy about your business and how you help attorneys, you know, build teams and, and really, um, you know, take over their practices, what's the best way, way for them to reach you? Uh, email Keith at apochromatic.com. Our website is applechromatic.com and you can uh, contact us on there as well. And uh, that's really the easiest way. 
Awesome, man. Well, thanks for being a guest. And uh, you'll tell Amy, I said, hi, I think we're going to have her on the show soon, too. I will. And yes, I believe she's coming up on her second time as well. All right. Well, we're listen, we're rounding a corner with the show. I, you know, look, if I, again, I have someone that talks on one subject and can talk on another, that's going to be valuable to my audience. That's the key. And you guys are top of the list. So much appreciated. All right. Thank you. And hey, everybody, thanks for spending some time with Keith and I today. Uh, as usual, I've got my page of notes uh, talking about what's delegatable, how do you track your time, uh, how to qualify, who can do the work for you, what's the authority level. I mean, the list goes on and on of the things we covered today. Your goal or, uh, from listening to the show, in addition to hopefully having a good time, is to take away something. Take away something that you can do, something that's actionable, that's tactical, that, that can change the way you're running your law firm and continue to get better and be that lawyer someone who's confident, organized, and a skilled rainmaker. That's what it's all about, everybody. Listen, be safe, be well. We'll talk again soon. Thanks for listening to Be That Lawyer, life-changing strategies and resources for growing a successful law practice. Visit Steve's website, fretson.com, for additional information and to stay up to date on the latest legal business development and marketing trends. For more information and important links about today's episode, check out today's show notes.